In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event. Big virtual client sponsored by AbbVie to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures. And in first, and it's first in-class patient uh, education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up and to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps, inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, or on your treadmill. Climb your way. Join us for the opening ceremony and take the climb with our heart pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org/bigclimb. Okay, let's get to today's show. More of a normal show for Greg and I. A lot of nonsense. Um, thanks, everyone, for the nice comments about last week's show. I know it was a little bit different. Um, and that's it. All right, here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to another week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Of also, I also, I'm of the Athletic. So is Greg. Greg, say hello. I learned. I didn't learn. I, I was reminded of an important lesson this weekend. I'm interested. It's been, it's been so long since we've had any kind of team sports going on. Real team sports. I know the Premier League starts in a week or so. Hockey has a date. Basketball has a date. Baseball's dead forever. Uh, Baseball is but, dead. So we've, dead. Yeah, is it, dead. Super dead. Uh, we've we've had a, a real dearth of sports. Nice dearth. So as you know, I've gotten big into horse racing. Big, <laughs> big horse racing. We've guy. become a Rangers, Mets, and horse racing podcast since the coronavirus hit us. It's gotten it's gotten to a point now where if we were ever to get Eddie Olchek on the podcast, I'm sure you'd have about 15 hockey related questions and i'd only have horse racing questions <laughs> what's your number one eddie? what's your number one horse racing question for eddie Olchek? uh so at belmont which opened back up uh last week yep they have this thing called the empire six where it's you you pick the winners of the last six races and mm-hmm. it pays out just gobs of money for like 50 cent bets uh for the first time in my life i was five for five going in the race six oh and i can't I was, Gregory, I would pay. I was freaking. I was freaking out. I would pay a good amount of money to have a camera on you when you were five for five. <laughs> uh, it, I, I'm usually the way I watch races is I usually have the races on my laptop and I'm always doing something else and then just focusing on the races. They happen once every 30, 35 minutes, mm-hmm. and they only last about less than two minutes at yeah. a time. So it's a nice thing to have on in the background, and it's a nice thing to gamble a little bit of money on. So usually I have something else on the background. When I won the fifth race in the fifth leg, uh, it, I couldn't sit down anymore. I was jittery. I, I felt like I was having a heart attack. I was, I was struggling. And it was the longest 35 minutes I can recall in a really long time. Honestly, the last time I'd ever felt anything remotely like that was when the Mets, Mets were in World the World Series. Series. Yeah, and I was just coming. freaking the fuck out. Uh, <laughs> And the things things that made it worse, Ryan, is the horse I had that I needed to win in the last race. Uh, you could, when you do these tickets, you can bet any. You could literally put every horse in every race, and but it'll cost you like thousands of dollars. Well, I just got a quick quick plug. You are listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast yeah. on 
all podcasting platforms. Keep going, Greg. It's fine. There's no hockey. This story just, is so much better like, than anything I just, is really. I'm going to tell a non-ranger story. I just want uh, to say that. It's important. So normally there are about – for every race I bet, there are two horses I like, and I try to just bet those two horses. But uh-huh. for the purposes of pick six and pick fives, because the odds of you ever winning are so low, I try to just stick to one horse in a couple races. And it just so happened that ye- yesterday – the horse I liked in the last race, I thought was just going to dominate the field. It had everything I it had everything I was looking for. It had everything I was looking for in a horse, Ryan. I love it, that you have the sentence it, ready. Everything it, I'm looking for in a horse. Yeah, it's it's trained by Chad Brown. It's first of all, it's a turf race, and he's trained by Chad Brown, who is maybe the best turf race horse racing trainer in so, America. So I'm going to try and to relate won- this to our fans. So he's like Elaine Vigneault when he first takes over a team. Yeah, I'll, I'll do you one better. Okay. Last year, Chad Brown won the Coach of the Year equivalent for trainers. Got it. He was the he was the trainer of the year. The jockey on the horse is a guy named Irad Ortiz Jr., who won the jockey equivalent of the Hart Trophy. The Artemis barn Panera. the barn he came from won the equivalent of the President's Trophy last year. So, so it's the best okay. barn with the best jockey <laughs> with the best trainer in the last race of the day. And all I need is this horse to fucking win. And I would have won north of about $1,500. Wow. And didn't even come close, Ryan. Never had a chance. And it's, and honestly, I went outside for a couple hours. I just <laughs> sat down, just took in nature for a little bit. I, I was, there's a part of me now with hindsight, happy that sports can still create those kind of emotions in me. Because it's been so long without them. Yeah, like how would you but, know what misery really feels like without these horses these days? I, I, I think don't know. actually, it, I think you'd find a way. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the, this isn't funny, but I, I was betting the races with our friend uh, Mike, who lives over in Switzerland. That's he correct. Was about what seven hours, eight hours ahead of us. Yes, sir. Mike was betting the first four races with me, mm-hmm. and it was basically just piggybacking all the bets I was making. I w- I can't emphasize how bad I was. In those first four races, let me here. I, I can I can quantify it down to this. Okay, <laughs> I was so bad in the first four races. One of the horses I bet on literally died mid race. <laughs> it's 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 what? leg ex- no it's leg ex- it's leg exploded going into one of the turns. No, and they had to they had to euthanize. They it. just put it. That's down? how bad my bets were. Oh my first. god! Did oh I would have stopped. I would have stopped. It, it was one of the most gruesome looking things I've ever seen in oh life. My like, god! Because it's 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 gnarly to see anyway. But I was just fixated fixated on the horse because it was the horse I bet on. So while normal people are watching the leaders, I'm watching this horse that I'm hoping is about to make a run from the back, oh, and no. it just exploded. Oh and no! I, so it needless to say i didn't win i i didn't lose any money yesterday but i didn't win just oodles and oodles of and money you didn't lose and, your life uh, by being euthanized on a track so that's good news well i did i it i felt like i died okay. in that sick race i really did it, i just had uh i've i've never been in a position where i've only needed that like i've i've gone four for five or five for six before mm-hmm. but it's always been one of the first or middle races where i've lost being five for five with just one leg remaining. And again, I had the favorite from the best trainer, the best jockey, and the best barn. And I couldn't win. And it's it's sports are cruel. Sports are cruel. Uh, last week, we talked about some more serious issues and topics 
well, going across the United States and the entire world. Uh, and I want to oh, say we're going to talk about him again, by the way. Oh, because Maggio's Maggio is going to be uh, bringing that up. I'm assuming. Um, we, I, I hope we talk about it with Maggio. I've talked about him in private DMs this week, so I can only imagine that's going to be happening again. Um, we we will not be. Uh, listen, we're not a political podcast. We talked about that, but that's not a political issue to us. Um, once a, once in a while, I'm assuming we'll get that serious again. Uh, I got a lot of nice messages from a lot of our fans that said, um, thanked us for saying some things we said. Again, we're sh- two shitty podcasters that don't know anything. And we got some one-star reviews, and you can go fuck yourself. So there you go. That's where I'm at with that. Um, see you later. Uh, really, really appreciate you. But to talk about the Rangers and then get to my other point, um, which is totally non-Rangers related, um, quick update on the news. The Correct me if I'm wrong on this, Gregory. The, mm. the playoff si- system is now in place, but there will be reseeding which will bring the Rangers or pretty much give the Rangers the hardest path if Montreal gets eliminated. So you'll if be- the Rangers, if the Rangers win and Montreal loses, the Rangers will face the one seed in the next round. And if the Rangers somehow win that series, the Rangers will face the highest seed left. Most likely the so light two, three, four. So it's, it's hard to imagine the Rangers. Let's just assume. I, so you beat the hurricane. He said if they beat the hurricane, I hate that this stupid, round robin friendly thing is happening let's just assume the lightning finish as the one seed so the rangers would get the lightning okay there's a chance that if in order for the rangers to get the cup they'd have to go through the lightning the bruins and the um capitals yeah like that's a that's completely within the realm honestly though if that's the case if you beat the lightning the bruins and the capitals and then whoever comes out of the west um i'll take the asterisks away i'll do it that's how nice i am you know what would happen, though? You know what would happen? The Rangers, being the Rangers, they would beat the Hurricanes, they would beat the Lightning, they would beat the Bruins, they would beat the Capitals, and then they'd lose to, like, the Coyotes. And the Coyotes would sweep them. It wouldn't Oh, be... it wouldn't be close. It would yeah. be, like, 7 nothing games. Yeah, it wouldn't even be uh, competitive games. Like, in game one, Igor would get let in, like, five goals. He'd, he'd shut out. He'd have, like, four consecutive shutouts in the game, <laughs> in his last couple games to bring him to the Stanley Cup Finals. He would let up seven goals. The next game, he'd be out by the first period. They'd bring Hank in. He'd let in goals. There's no way. There's no way. The Coyotes, it, it would all be by Derek Stepan, by the way. Every yeah, single it, goal. <laughs> I don't know if this is just the scorned horse racing fan in me now that is right. saying all these things. But mm-hmm. all I know is you don't win things like six in a row anymore. That seems to be impossible. So, yeah, I, I, I would bet my life that the Rangers would finally get a layup in the Stanley Cup final, and it's the layup that would completely obliterate the Rangers. Yeah, it would be like the lowest seed possible from the West that also somehow made a miracle run. And they yes, would like the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks, oh who my God. were the 12th team in the West, are the team the that the Blackhawks doing that would be, would be so miserable. I, I don't even know how I would start comprehending that. Uh, a miserable Just time. prepare yourself now. Get ready. I'm ready. I'll be so excited for when we beat the Bruins at Tampa Bay. And the Hurricanes are already a lock, you know? I'm going to eat those words, by the way. Uh, so, and also correct me if I'm wrong. The other, the other, from what I can see, is today's the voting day. Uh, we won't obviously be recording. We'll be recording on Wednesday, so we'll talk about the results. Will we know the results by Wednesday? I'm a hockey podcast. No, which probably it's not. like, a, I think it's like a, the first round of voting creates the top three, and then you find out who Got the winner it. is from there. I saw Pierre talk about how he really, Pierre LeBron, um, our obviously, our, obviously our coworker, um, and close, our equal, our equal and close personal friend, talk about how he has a hard time voting when he doesn't really know which teams are going to make the playoffs. Like, is that Bullshit. is what is that? It's just so. It's I was thinking about. It made me think about it today because a lot of the people we like to associate with, and who we've had on the podcast, the the twins over mm-hmm. at Evolving Wild. 
Travis Yost, Dom, whose last name I'm Lozer. not going to try to butcher right now. Okay. Um, Sorry, Dom. So many, so many of the more analytically inclined hockey reporters, writers, uh, nerds, you could say, mm-hmm. are all on the Artemi Panarin was the best player in hockey bandwagon last year and should win the heart. But look, hockey is about five, 10 to 15 years behind the other sports when it comes to not just accepting advanced analytics, but allowing the ad- numbers to speak for themselves, really. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. People like to think Moneyball the book came out in the early 2000s. And Billy Bean was doing all these things with the A's then, and he was considered a rebel and an outsider. And that was, you know, 2003, which feels like a really long time ago. But, you know, Trevor Hoffman was getting MVP votes in 2006 and 2007. We were routinely giving MVP awards to guys who simply hit the most home runs. We didn't care at all. Like the year Ryan, 2006, Ryan Howard won MVP, and he wasn't even the player on the Phillies that was most valuable, let alone the player in the National League. So it's baseball is caught up to it. I know it seems boring to some people that Mike Trout wins every year, but it's not Mike Trout's fault that he's the best fucking player in baseball. Like it's, it's not, it's not the awards fault that the best player in baseball is the same person year in and year out. You're the best player. You're the best player. I think the NBA actually does a pretty good job with it. Even though you could probably make a case for LeBron like every single year. I think it is. I think that the NBA, it's a little different because people actually give a shit about who wins like finals MVP. Like finals MVP carries weight. That's true. So it's so LeBron hasn't won the MVP every year, but every year a LeBron-led team gets to the finals, they basically give LeBron the award, and rightfully so. So it's it, it's a little different in the NBA, but they still, I mean, like the most contentious one ago? over the past couple of years was Harden and Westbrook. Yeah, like. The fact that it was a years ago, it wouldn't have even been a debate, right? Oh, Wes Westbrook, he averaged a triple-double. Just give him the award. What are we doing? He's one of two people to ever do this at his position over the last 50 years. But people were like, yeah, but it's a naked triple-double. So there were actual debates and questions about it. With hockey, shit, if someone gets 140 points, it's like, yeah, well, he's the heart. That's it. Don't matter. Nothing else really matters. But now it's like, I, I don't know if it's just because People accept that Leon Dreisaitl, even with all the points, isn't even the best player on the Oilers. So how can you give him the heart? heart? Or it's that, you know, 24 teams made the playoffs this year. So you can't just say, well, you had to make the playoffs in order to be considered for the award. So that's why Panarin is now getting buzzed. So Pierre responds to a guy. It's stupid. It's stupid that you have to. it's, It's an individual award. Most valuable player. It's not most valuable player to a playoff team. It's most valuable player, best player in the league. It's the name of the award. And every every single stat says Panarin. It's like not even close. Uh, the only yeah. if you do it just on points, you can't give it to Panarin because he didn't have as many points as Drysaitel. That's like but giving Panarin had wins. more even. He had more even strength points. He had a higher percentage of his team's goal production. Drysaitel played like if you Connor look McDade. if you look at what Artemi Panarin <laughs> meant to the New York Rangers, it meant more than what Leon Drysaitel meant to the Edmonton Oilers. Therefore, Artemi Panarin was more valuable. Than Leon Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl's not it. even the best player on his team. That says, doesn't that say a lot? I mean, it's it is a little unfair because we really, in some way, we probably should just be giving this award to Connor McDavid every year. Yeah, probably. Uh, but this year, Panarin was just a better player than him. 
he's probably would I say is Panarin the best player in the league? No, Connor McDavid is. But it's about the season and the way a player performed. And Panarin performed at the highest level of any player out there. Uh, Pierre LeBron says, uh, someone says, give it to Panarin now that he's in the playoffs. So he's not in the playoffs unless the Rangers win their qualifying round. But yes, Panarin will be on my heart ballot. So thank you, Pierre, for making your sacrifice. Appreciate That's it. also, I to call the playing around not the playoffs is What do you think it is? To me. It's, I, it's the, it, it, it's it's the like playoffs. A, right. It's like, it's like saying the round of 64 isn't the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Teams, it's like just because, just because you're one of the 64 teams in. Doesn't mean you made the tournament. Or even that, like, uh, if isn't there like a couple games um, where it's like get the, play playing games, playing games. Yeah, but those are still yeah. playoff games. It's yeah, still those are games. It's still part of the tournament. You're playing to get into the 64. You got the opportunity. It's a tournament game. You're in the playoffs. It's, it's, it's the just, playoffs. It's just silly. Everything is silly. But it's yeah. It's people who people who were saying Panarin didn't deserve votes because the Rangers weren't a playoff team. It's, it, Rename the award. If you have to be a playoff team, name it the most valuable player whose team also made the playoffs. If it's if the heart is supposed to award the best individual performance every season, then it doesn't fucking matter if your team made the playoffs or not because it's an individual award. It's not an individual who whose team also succeeded. That's not the point of it. That's the thing that drives me nuts with MVP voting. It's like, for some reason, the team's result impacts the individual player and i know bill simmons the, well, a lot of Sim- things i disagree with bill simmons, well, but simmons especially saying, this like, week, by the way yeah oh i don't i haven't listened to him this yeah, week good Is it, has it been bad uh don't listen to the you know when we did a podcast and we kind of got flamed for things no. oh well russillo's a fucking idiot like i don't know why anyone listens to the the people who like ryan russillo confuse me what about him do what what's unique about ryan russillo I find what am Rus- i supposed to like i there? like russillo in some ways i think he does a good job being contrarian in uh in some arguments but i listen to him i for think sports. there's a difference between contrarian and contrarian for the sake of being contrarian and i don't think russilla believes a lick of what he says hmm. i think he does a, i think he's a good job grinding i think he's good at his job i'm not gonna say that but his was it was really tone deaf like <laughs> it was a tough one and i'm a, a simmons fanboy um so but yeah anyway yeah, so like I, you're saying like anyway, simmons. simmons simmons says like oh mike trout was the reason why the angels won what 75 games instead of 65 games so yeah, sure. what's what's the difference there Mike Trout was the most valuable player in baseball. Artemi Panarin is the most valuable player in hockey. Like, Artemi Panarin's season was more valuable than every other player in the NHL. Well, I saw the, just because, I saw the charge just because with the Travis. Rain- it was like, what was it, 2.3 goals or with, with Artemi on the, on the ice, comparatively off the ice? Um, yeah, the Rangers are a train wreck without Panarin. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, 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 one of those, it's one of those arguments, right? You take Leon Dreisaitl off the Oilers, and the Oilers are probably should still be a playoff team, right? And I know some of that is... Connor McDavid, but just imagine a scenario where the Rangers don't have Artemi Panarin. No, I don't want a team to. that a team that already can't stop goals from being scored is now not scoring goals. Like it's it's they wouldn't have they would have won like twelve games this year without. Hey Artemi. man, watch your tone with that defense. Oh boy, that's gonna make people <laughs> angry. Ryan. I know. All we do is make people angry. That graphic literally haunts my dreams. It's though. pretty scary. It's a scary. Why one. did he? What? Why did he look at that graphic and think it was a good idea? He literally looks like he the took, fucking. He took a producer you know he, from Fox Sports to do his producing. Didn't even reach out to me. Rude. I offered. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have. Done I wouldn't it have anyway. done it. But you I know did. what? You know what that? You know what that graphic reminds me of, though. You know that fucking singing fish that you used to put on your wall. Yes, I do. I can hear yeah. it in my sleep. 
that I hear that when I look at that graph. <laughs> Good luck to Tony on his on his show. I'm sure. Uh, bring me that flay of fish. fish. Bring me bring that, that fish. fish. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to McDonald's for that's, that's definitely canceling this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ryan and Greg, we got a note from McDonald's. They said they want to take your podcast down. <laughs> like what? Bring it on. Yeah. I'm not afraid of big McDonald. Big fast food not coming for me. Oh man. Um, Here, I'll I'll just I'll double down on it. Chick Fil A is the most overrated fast food joint in America. The sandwiches aren't that good, people. I, Fucking chicken. I want to go ahead and preach that from from the mountaintops because God, I uh, it's I, not that good. I took a drive this weekend. It was the first time we'd left the apartment in about three months, and we were driving past the Chick Fil A, and it was packed. Like it, down the highway, people go into Chick Fil A at five at five thirty p.m. on a Friday. I was like, is it that good? Isn't there other options? Not. There's Popeyes a mile away. Popeyes is the bomb. Popeyes is you know, insane it, good. I am I am convinced that uh people simply like Chick-fil-A because once upon a time it was hard to get. Like it, it wasn't readily available here up north. It was very much a southern delicacy. They somehow kept so that it, mystique though, because Sonic did the same thing, especially on Long Island. Yeah, but Sonic's trash. Exactly. Like, Sonic's legit trash. <laughs> like, the only time I've ever eaten Sonic, I paid for it in about 90 minutes afterwards. Yeah. Never again. But Sonic had that mystique when it first came to Long Island. Same thing with Dairy Queen. We didn't have them. And then when they came, it was, like, packed out You didn't forever. have Dairy Queen? No, How'd man. you not have Dairy Queen? We didn't have Dairy Queen until I was, like, 17, 18 or something like that. 19? And yeah, we yeah. had Dairy Queen in Connecticut, so I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, Long Island, just we, we had a ban on Dairy Queens. We were just not do, doing it. Wasn't a thing. Um... But yeah, so I, I don't understand Chick-fil-A and the hype for it. You know what else I don't understand I don't. for? And I, I think Tell you me. might have a problem with this. I'm unsure. Oh, God. Uh, Friday night uh, during that time when we were driving away, we stopped at a drive-in drive movie up in uh, our, where, our, where our alma mater is, uh, Poughkeepsie. And they were showing a double feature of uh, the second movie was National uh, Lampoon Vacation, which is a great movie. And then the first movie was The Goonies, which I've never seen before. Mm. The Goonies is a problematic movie. I'm just gonna say it hasn't, it hasn't aged. It hasn't aged well. They like hold knives to kids' throats. They throw yeah. kids in with dead bodies. They have yep. like a nine-year-old kissing a sixteen-year-old girl. They have like yeah. a lot. There's like, dude, it's a lot of problematic stuff. And they like put, young Josh, young young Thanos though in that. Young movie. Josh Brolin and young Sam from Lord of the Rings. Did not yeah. know that. Um, yeah, it it's. I I'm not gonna sit here and defend like the Goonies storyline and creative decisions. Yes. But I think you missed out on a key part of your childhood by not seeing the Goonies before your 31st I, year. I wish I saw it earlier and I'm sure I would have enjoyed it when I was like 12 or 13. There were some yeah, funny. It's, it, it's, it's, it's little kids going on a treasure hunt. For sure. Like it's, it's everything you dream of when you're 10, 11, 12 years old. I'm sure. But watching it as an adult, I was just concerned. <laughs> Like the whole time, I was like, "Oh my god, they're what?" Yeah, it it hasn't it has. I'm not gonna sit here and say it's age grade. I mean, Back to the Future has an age grade if yeah. you really think about it. So it's the '80s were an interesting time creatively. Yes, one of my favorite uh, parts just, is that I, they go to the closed down restaurant. They're like, "Oh, it's it's the fall, so it's closed down." And then all of a sudden, like that restaurant was open two months ago, but now all of a sudden it's a gangster hideout for this mob family who's gonna kill a bunch of people. I don't know. It was brutal. It. It's an interesting. It, the movie's an interesting hang. I I'll I'll watch it if it's on TV. I don't go seeking out the Goonies though. I've seen it enough in my life to know just about every part of that movie. It's a I I wasn't bored. 
I'll put it that way. But I was questioning a lot of like, what? <laughs> How? <laughs> These girls are just going to stay? They're going in this abandoned restaurant? Everyone's going into the fireplace? No. <laughs> you, you know what? While we're on this topic, and then I'm sure we'll talk about how Fox should also probably not win the Calder, but be in the final three. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? You know what movie in in the uh, in the realm of Goonies that is actively bad that I think people have positive opinions about just because it was part of their childhood. I'm ready. Hook is an atrocious movie. Ooh, I haven't watched Hook in a long time. It's I, I'm sure it's not only I, not only do I think it's the worst adaptation of peter pan that i've ever seen it's just straight up boring like it's it's not a fun watch it i I don't know why people hang on to that movie like it's holier than thou i just brought up the hook rotten tomatoes let's see let's see okay i don't know why cam up didn't come up right away great podcasting uh it has here what you want to take a guess what it has on tomato meter Uh, 67 28 my man so the critics agree with you Wow. Well, the critics agree with me, but what's the fan score? Uh, 78, you're correct. Yeah, so the, the fans love that movie for reasons I don't understand. A lot of it's a bad movie. It's not fun. I, I, I watched it recently enough. It was a MMM when all this coronavirus shit first happened. So I watched it at home, and I was just like, first of all, stunned by how long the movie is. It's like a two-and-a-half-hour movie. I don't understand why it had to be that long. And then second, it's just fucking boring. Like, it's not a good movie. I wish... There's no part of this movie where I'm like, oh, I'm in now. Now you got my attention. It's like, I'd... can we hurry up here? I got other things I'd rather be doing. I hope Space Jam 2 is good. I really do. <laughs> okay. I hope LeBron That's does nice. a good job with Space Jam 2. Because Space Jam 1, when I was a kid, was awesome. Watching Space Jam 1 again now is tough. It's a hard one. No, see, that... get out of here. The only thing that's tough about it is aliens decided to take the talents of Sean Bradley and never give him back. Still don't <laughs> understand that. And I don't understand... I... They took the talents of Muggsy Bugs because he was just the most normal human being to ever play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But come on, that's some serious slander for like Gary Payton. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Also, I, if, if you just needed, movie. yeah, but if you needed like a token white guy, why not take John Stockton's abilities? John Stockton said no to that movie. That's definitely what happened. Well, but, probably because John, John Stockton said no because he probably thought it was like a slam on Christianity somehow. Almost certainly. Shouts to John Stockton. Amazing point guard. I'm sure he's actually Mormon or something. Whatever. It's he's from Utah. Shit. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to get reviews. Look, Mormonism <laughs> or whatever it's called in Christianity. That's the same shit, different day folks. It's all the it's same. It's like you, same yeah, it's like Episcopalians or is that the fish thing? It's like it's vegetarian. I'm not sure. Um, okay. Yep. I'm sure we'll get some nice comments for all, yeah, all, all what we're going to say today. Oh, Whatever. we've gone off the rails. Want to do one five-star question? Because we've got We only one. have one. We only have one. That's why. Well, we should probably, I did say it. Oh, the Fox Calder. As, much, as, fun, as fun as it is for us to joke and say that Adam Fox should win the Calder. I mean, Makar was special. I don't, I don't know how you could give it to anyone that isn't Makar. I, I legitimately feel Artemi should win the heart. I think. Right. Artemi, I think, is the most valuable player in hockey. This isn't me even pandering as, like, a fan. Like, you guys, like, oh, what about Artemi? And, like, like I'm trying to find these angles for him to win. Like, he, no, he legitimately is the heart candidate and should be the person who wins. Fox, like, I'm really cool with him finishing third and second. But mostly, probably third this year. Yeah. Um, I mean, McCarr is... I think I'd be, is, it'd be funny if you finished second ahead of Quinn Hughes just because I think... Canucks fans wouldn't take it well at all. No, and but Quinn Hughes had a really great year too. They're, those are really special defensemen. We have like a nice crop of defensemen in the NHL right now. 
uh, with some more coming. And, and Fox is a special talent. I think he'll win some awards in the future. Uh, and I, I'm not really worried about him. I, I, as long as he gets mentioned in the, on, on the vote, I'm, I'm okay and happy with it. Very happy. Okay, you know, yeah, Igor might, will say, might win Rookie of the Year next year. You don't even know. He's still you, eligible. If you wanted to give Fox, like, bonus points for being on the worst defensive team in hockey and somehow not being a negative-rated defenseman, I, I, I could see it. The fact that Adam Fox was, league, like, league average defensively, because considering how bad the Rangers were defensively is an accomplishment in its own right. I will be interested to see if the Rangers do the right, not the right. I mean, it is the right thing, but I, I don't know. He should be playing penalty kill minutes. He hasn't played any penalty kill minutes this year. And he next year, he definitely will be, but he should be playing them in the playoffs because simply put <laughs> Mark Stahl shouldn't be seeing any PK time. It, if the Rangers want to be serious, they need Man. to put actual defense. Talking about Ranger defense penalty kill. just makes me feel at home. It's like, wow, we're back. This is great. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it, it's just so, it's so bad. It's like, it, wow, Mark should now play that we've had, hmm. It's so strange. Now that, we've had, now that we've had time away from it, it's funny to go back and look at how terrible it was. If the season was still going on, we'd probably be like squinting our eyes saying, you know, it's not great, but I'm sure Mark Stahl's been fine. He wasn't responsible for 17 goals against in the last five games. So, But now that we've had just nothing but time on our hands, it was it's pretty bad. It's funny to look back and it, yeah. it's awful. It's Everybody all but Adam Fox was pretty tough. You know who was good? Phil DiGiuseppe was surprisingly good defensively yeah, looking at his numbers. Absolutely. Um, that, that's just like hustle almost. I mean, Panarin too, sneaky good defensively. I know uh, Ryan Strom, not sneaky good defensively. Act, act, Ryan, act, Ryan Strom, famously not good defensively. Yeah, famously not, but um, very good with Panarin, turns out. All right, uh, one five-star question, then we'll get to Maggio. We'll take a, take a quick break. Uh, to our two five star, uh, to our two one stars. Thanks for so much for listening for all these years. I'm okay with you not being subscribers anymore. I appreciate it though. Uh, original MC one asks, Hey guys, Mike in New Haven again. Firstly for Greggy, uh, if there was ever an ability to undo a painful loss or falling, uh, which of a falling would, or, or, or of the falling, which of the falling would you pick the 1999 NLCS, the 2000 world series, the 2006 NLCS, or the 2000, uh, 2014 Stanley Cup final. Can I answer this for you? Uh, it's yesterday's horse race, first of all. Okay. I, that, and, I don't know a pain other than that. And, and in second place, I was, what do you think my answer here is? I think it's 2006 and, and LCS. Yeah, because the Mets win that. Like, 2000 is interesting. 1999 to me isn't interesting. The Braves were the better team. The fact that the Mets made that a series, it sucks how it ended. But, I mean, the Mets were down three games to none. And in those first three games, from what I remember, it wasn't overly competitive so i the 99 mets team is great but that 99 braves team was just flat out better than the mets the 2000 mets were better than the yankees but i don't know a lot of things a lot of things the mets did to themselves like timo perez not hustling on the todd zeal double like that's self-inflicted i don't really feel bad about that one um I do feel bad about the fact that I still, to this day, I don't know how anyone can describe to me how Roger Clemens stays in game two after he threw a literal broken bat at Mike Piazza. Um, Stuff. Fucking just crazy. Like today, if that happened today, like Roger Clemens would be in jail. Forget, the, forget about the fact about him staying in the baseball game. Like charges would have been pressed against him. Uh, also sad that probably charges would have been pressed against Roger Clemens and we still can't get people to, fucking arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. That's neither here nor there, Ryan. It's not why people came here. Uh, but it's just worth saying. 
Um, 2006, cool, cool. I like 2000. It's still the Yankees. They're still two-time World Series champions. They've won three of the last four. Like, there's still this mystique about the Yankees, right? Yeah. But 2006, if the Mets beat the Cardinals, they destroy the Detroit Tigers. And I was old enough to understand everything that was happening, appreciate everything that was happening, enjoy everything that was happening. Like 11-year-old Greg, the light, the world is ahead of him. There's, there are, there's only so much about the 2000 World Series I physically remember. I remember, like, everything about the 2006 NLCS. And it's it, – I don't know. The thing that always my butterfly effect moment with the 2006 Mets season is what happens if Duaner Sanchez doesn't get into the cab and doesn't have his shoulder basically explode on him because that happened literally on deadline day. So the Mets probably don't. First of all, the Mets probably don't trade Xavier Nady. Second of all, the Mets probably address their starting rotation in a meaningful way. And I remember, it, Ryan, it got so bad a couple of weeks ago that I actually looked at pitchers who were traded on or after the trade deadline that the Mets could have acquired. Okay. Uh, Levon, Her- Levon Hernandez was good traded, good and he was still good. Uh, some guy named Greg Maddox was traded, mm-hmm. though I don't think he would have accepted a trade agree. back to the East Coast. I think he was already living his West Coast lifestyle. Um, some guy who still somehow had years left in his arm, Jamie Moyer, was traded at the 2006 like deadline. Ten more years on, on somehow. Uh, there was a fourth one, too, that I don't – I don't want to say it was Kyle Loesch, but it was someone – of that ilk. So what you're saying is the answer is 2006 NLCS. 2006 is the answer. Like the 2014 Stanley Cup final. I I don't know how many times I've said it on this podcast. Like it it hurts my feelings, but it will never come close to the pain that I feel when the Mets lose. Yeah. So so for me, that one, that one hurts. That one is tough. (laughs) uh, 14 Stanley Cup final or the 09 world series, Ryan? uh, Were you a Rays fan in 2009? I was, I was. And that's actually his next question. Um, 2014. It's not even close for me. Um, I know you're, Ryan, I know you're a baseball fan, but you're never explicitly stated what your favorite team from what I've heard. Who do you root for? I root for the Rays. I have, I grew up a Yankee fan, pretty hardcore. Uh, but my dad was also a giant That's Yankee fan. That's just because you hated John Franco. I did hate John Franco mm-hmm. and my dad was a giant Yankee fan and he got me into it. Then I fell out of love with baseball around 2003. And then when I, around 2006, I got back into it. I read a couple books, uh, including, I know I read a book, right? Including a book by a now canceled man called the extra 2%. And uh, one of the, it was about the Rays and all the things they did analytically. I've gone. I've was, grown, that jo- was that Jonah Carey? It was Jonah Carey. Um, Man, he, he, him turning out to be one of the biggest weird, just disgusting human beings of all time was a real shocker to me. It's been, nothing surprises me anymore. Um, but I read that book. I really liked it. I don't like Jonah Carey anymore. Uh, but I've grown, I've grown a complicated relationship with the Rays because I don't like how they don't spend money um at all even though i one of the reasons i was drawn to them is because they don't spend money and they do things a very different way and unique way which is why i find them very intriguing and interesting and following yeah but the the older you get the more you realize the reason they don't spend money is because not because they can't it's because they won't that's correct so so they'll so they'll spend money like on all these other particular advancements um of like outside help and different strategies and like analytic runs and stuff like that. And that's cool. It's really neat, but they have the lowest payroll in the league by a lot. And they don't keep any of their players if they make any money at all. And they, owe, they do. I know, I know it doesn't win any games. I know it doesn't for, I know it doesn't forgive the Red Sox for trading them, but pretty good year to be the team that traded Mookie Betts, I guess. Right. Yep. I did you see the video for the, uh, the, the Mookie Betts Dodgers highlights, this two second long clip. Oh no. That's brutal. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just him smiling at a Dodgers hat and then it ends. 
man. Like, I, I hesitate to say it was a good trade by the Red Sox because the Red Sox are an organization that should never be in a position to trade someone like Mookie Betts. Yep. Uh, but if you were going to trade Mookie Betts, do it the year before there isn't baseball anymore, I guess. Yeah. Oh, baseball is like, I got, I got to give it to the NHL for a second. Like, they're getting it back together. They're following the NBA's lead. I mean, the NHL even had it first, to be honest. Um, saying, saying they're the first to come back. Like they're, look, listen, they are. Max Kellerman said it. He was like, you know, they're the fourth sport. I don't know why everyone got so angry. I know he's being a condescending asshole, but that's like his no, his normal demeanor. Like, hockey's the fourth sport. It just is. That's what it is. Football, basketball, and baseball are going to beat it out in most markets, um, in, in the United States at least. And it's cool that the NHL has gotten stuff together um, and try, is trying to come back. Is it is it safe enough? I'm not sure. Um, I, I, hopefully they follow the guidelines. But uh we'll see we'll see i think it's cool they did that and the mlb is screwed here man they're they're probably not getting it together i don't see the i don't see the players get i I think baseball's getting canceled this whole year and that's going to screw up generations of fans and revenue totally yeah well it's on the owners i i agree it's that simple to me it, I, I i don't know how anyone can put any blame on the players here the owners are getting what they want which is this apparently i don't so. like how all the media is like immediately slandered towards the owners and it's like well, I don't see how the players couldn't have agreed to a deal this good. Like, what? They agreed to a deal. That was it. Yeah, they, they agreed to a deal that was pretty good. Uh, and the owners realized that deal wasn't good for them, and now they're trying to renege. So it's on the owners. I, I, I don't know. I honestly, it's they, – they had a deal back in April. And for whatever reason, the owners decided, no, this deal doesn't work for us. Let's do something else. And the players are like, no, motherfucker, we had a deal. So this is what we're going to do. And now the owners don't want to do it. So here we are. It's June 8th, and there's no baseball. Yeah. And the, Thanks, owners. And there's no plan. There's no plan no. for baseball. No, I think we'll end up with that stupid 48 game. Like, if it's 48 game, I don't know anyone that's going to take it fucking seriously. Like, it'll be nice to have baseball back. Don't get me wrong, but I can't take a 48 game season seriously. I can't take like just a like, 70 game. Dude, seriously. just like, if, if hockey came back next year and they're like, okay, 25 games, uh, 25 games, and then we're going to play the playoffs. What, dude? Like, 25 games isn't even enough to do anything. You don't even know if teams are good or not in 25 games. You have no idea. Like 82 is too much, but 25 is not, is too, is like, that's exactly what yeah, it would I'll, be. Let's, let's do some, I'll do some math here. Math boys. So 48 of 162 is 29% of the league schedule. Yep. Times that by 82. Yeah. It'd be 25 games for the NHL. Look at that. Did you, did you, do, did you do the math before that? No, I didn't. I just, that Ow. was, that was Rain Man stuff, my man. <laughs> uh, very very rarely am i left speechless by you on this podcast and i think that's one of those moments here we are no better time to transition we don't we don't have an ad today so enjoy going right to maggio to maggio transition hey we're back with our guest of the day we have our good friend and recurring guest kyle maggio he is of whistle sports and he's also of the Knicks wall uh we were we were actually on the final Knicks wall episode with anthony corvo um uh proud to be on it Shout out to Anthony for, li- for living his uh, his new life, a uh, podless man. Um, but you are still on the on the grind itself, Kyle. And today, uh, and w- was the podcast recorded today or was it recorded later or earlier in the week? Because I, I did see a podcast of you talking to yourself, and I was very confused. <laughs> so, so the Red Man Week Pod, uh, it, I, I was surprised it came to. Uh, I'm, I'm happy it did. He's a good dude. I'm glad we had the conversation. Uh, I, I literally just decided one day after, I mean, it's been what, at least a year of these jokes. I, uh, I, I think saw all, them all the time. I see them all the time. All, all the time by, by any, any kind of person on Twitter. Uh, it's well known by now. So I uh, didn't think it was going to work. I, I shot a tweet out, tagged him. I'm not, 
some athletes don't really use Twitter. Not really sure, but uh, I got a DM like three hours later. I was putting my AC, and it's just like, "Hey, let's set it up." And I was like, "You son of a! All right, let's wow. do it." Wow. Yeah. So I, I didn't think it was gonna work, but uh, Fred Van Vliet noted, good person, friend of the pod. Future, the future New York Nick question mark. I, hey, I tried. Uh, on behalf of all the Rangers fans who double as Knicks fans, listen, I tried. Uh, we all know we need a point guard. We have always needed a point guard. That is always the constant here. Uh, I mentioned to, to Fred that he is a free agent and uh, no pressure, but if he would consider maybe thinking about one day joining the Knicks, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're going we're, we're to have to give you credit say no. for it. We're going to have to give you credit for it if it happens. <laughs> Listen, I've done my part. First to I've report, part. you know what would happen, though, right? Like, Fred has been an incredible player over the past year and a half. He's gone to another level. The playoffs, he transcended to a player that we didn't think he could be. And then this this year when the, when basketball was happening, the Raptors were a tremendous force. And when Van Fleet, for when he was healthy, was still shooting the lights out. As soon as he gets to the Knicks, you know that all stops. <laughs> you know? for, sure. For, for, for sure, but I have to. we have to do our part and just say, look... We, we we got a formally good three points. I persuaded him to come. I did my part. I don't know what happened after he got under the bright lights of Madison Square Garden, where it seems to curse everybody who plays here. But you know, baby steps. One problem at a time. Baby One problem steps. at a time. We got to worry about getting him here, and then we got to worry about us ruining his career. I want to. St- I actually want to stick on this for real quick before we get to some other topics. Um, some rumors around, at least from what I've seen in basketball circles, that the Knicks will be going heavily after Chris Paul this off season. Your thoughts and feelings on this? Uh, so this is actually funny. Um, two years ago, one of my closer friends, uh, we've been in a long time group chat. He proposed this exact situation to me, bro. This exact when, when he just got to Houston, they were like, he was like, damn, the Knicks, who are they going to sign? They're going to sign nobody. They should have just went for, uh, CP three to, you know, take on the contract, who cares, whatever, and actually get a good point guard. And you get three, four years of his career. And I was like, Johnny, that's ridiculous. That's the same thing we always do. We always sign an aging star. This is stop it. It's ridiculous. Here I am after two of some of the worst basketball seasons I think I've ever watched. And you guys know I forced myself to watch all these games. And uh, hey, man, I'm all for paying Chris Paul forty million dollars. Let's go. I am. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 look, I, the 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 point guard situation with the Knicks is it's 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 breathtakingly bad. How how bad that position has gotten for them. And it's like, yeah, you know what, man? Fine if. You could assure me that he plays 55 to 60 games and those are mostly very good games that he plays in. Then I, I can talk myself into it because otherwise it's like, what are we talking to, to ourselves in a, you know, 10 good games of Frank Nielakina every season. I mean, it's unfortunate. This is what we've gotten to, but I, at this point I'd be, I take CP three. I, we're not signing anybody. Nick, Nobody's I, I honestly yeah. don't know what to compare. Like it's, People like to say how bad the Jets quarterback position is or has been since the Joe Namath years. But even then, you get like a couple of those Chad Pennington seasons. Dude, Panda Mark Sanchez. Like, what? Me? Mark Mark Sanchez at least wasn't a net negative on the team when those teams were great defensively. Sam Darnold looks like he has a future. I can't think of a New York sports team that has just been like – is Chauncey Aimless. Billups the best Knicks point guard of the last 15 years? I don't think it's close. He played half a season. I, I mean, yeah, if we're going to do – I mean, re- really, Stephon Marbury, until he left the building, even right. officially, is is the best one. Um, so I, I understand that it was – you know, they had the issues at the end. There was the fallout. I, I get it. But, I mean, aside from him, 
what are we talking about here? Tony Douglas, Raymond Felton, part one, not even part I, two. I mean, I still, I still like Tony Douglas. I don't know why. I think it's just because I, I, I like so it used- too. It wasn't his fault. He tried. He was an eighth man, and they wanted him to be the starting point guard. It's never. The, it's never the player's fault. Uh, the Knicks are so bad. There's actually it's amazing. Some, there's actually I, like I just, a shocking amount of Knicks topics and questions I have for you right now. I, I don't know how this is possible. But I was I was surprised. I was surprised by the the potency of these questions. Because Chris, I I think getting Chris Paul is a smart move because not only not only are you bringing in someone that's competent who's still somehow very good and is defying some general aging charts for point guards, but he changes the culture of your team. Like he brings in. Uh, a network of players that he actively talks to and he's also the player union rep so where you he can if he changes the culture you can actually recruit whereas you couldn't before like you had we've talked about this a lot maggio especially in the past like kyle uh kyle uh kyrie durant and kevin <laughs> uh, Ky- Ky- kyrie durant yeah kyrie and durant were on the like on a silver platter for you they wanted to come at, at all costs and everything was so messed up that they just didn't um, so I'm hoping Chris Paul can actually be the one to change this for the Knicks franchise. Not that, not that we deserve it right now after what's going on and we'll get to Dolan in a minute, but I think he could be the one that actually changes the culture. Yeah, I, it's possible, man. I mean, when I was first initially opposed to it, it was because it was at the beginning of the rebuild and I was like, it makes no sense to bring Chris Paul in at the beginning of this rebuild and ask him at age 33 to fight for his life every night for the last couple good years of his career as we keep, you know, giving him Bobby Portis and, and, Vets like that who I guess are fine, you know, but don't really make sense in an elevated role that we always seem to give them. So now looking at it where it's like you have R.J. Barrett, you have Mitchell Robinson, right? Both of those players are very dependent on somebody who's going to be able to be a steady ball handling presence next to them. You know, even R.J. who needs the ball. But like Mitch is solely reliant on somebody who could run a pick and roll and throw him accurate passes, right? So, yeah, Chris Paul makes a lot of sense on paper there, right? Not even the leadership. and and winning aspect, just like skills, point guard can run and can pass. Okay, that makes sense for Mitchell Robinson because we don't even have that, the most basic of point guard skills. So then you give R.J. Barrett, who's having trouble shooting, having trouble with the spacing issues of this team. You give him a, a steady you know, guy who can control the tempo of the game and help R.J. get into a flow. It, it makes sense now. Now it makes sense. Now for sure I know we're not signing anybody. Uh, so, I mean, who cares? I mean, to me, this is, if we don't spend it on him, we're going to spend it on another one or two-year team-friendly option deal on the Bobby Portises, the Wayne Ellingtons, the the Marcus Morrises. It's like every power uh, if forward you pay, Yeah, every power forward available. If you got to pay up a little bit, you get two good years of Chris Paul, and then whatever happens, happens. You know, I, I'm fine with it, with the context of this garbage, you know, franchise that we have to root for. Well, I think I think this is a natural transition, and we'll, we'll, we'll end later on about the NBA's plan to come back and your thoughts on that, but we're talking about leadership, the amount of times, Maggio, we've had you on the podcast, it's been comparing and contrasting the Rangers from the Knicks and how the Rangers are run one way and the Knicks are run seemingly a completely different way by the same man. But with everything going on in the world over the last 10 plus days, two weeks, uh, the message from both organizations has been appalling, embarrassing. Um, it's hard to imagine either organization being taken seriously by a certain set of not just the fan bases, but the player pool as well. And obviously hockey has its own issues that they have to work out, but everybody and their mother knows that Keandre Miller is one of this team's most promising prospects. And he voiced his frustrations and the NBA is one of the most um, 
forward-thinking leagues when it comes to not just community relations, but the entire Black Lives Matter movement. And here we have James Dolan in all his mighty and wisdom, thinking that the right thing to do for his organization is to sit, not say shit, not say anything. How, if, if you're the New York Knicks, I don't, I don't care how much of a soothsayer Leon Rose is, how can you even pitch your product to anybody when you're not, well, I guess when you are showing your true colors? Yeah. So first, before I even say anything, because your listeners by now should know from the couple times I've been on how this question is going to go for me. Everyone who follows me knows how this question is going to go for me. I just want to know quickly, like, what was your guys' first reaction to, to the silence of James Dolan? Because what I saw a lot was people reactionary defending why he'd be silent or, oh, he, you know, well, he's hired black executives or he's done this. He's, But nobody ever wants to just tackle why the king of meaningless statements was suddenly silent on a large matter. So did you guys have any initial reaction? I was kind of I, waiting I, for the shoe to drop. Like, okay, when's the statement coming? And then when I realized it wasn't coming is when I got sad. Like, oh. I, yeah, I, I think on Wednesday when we did our BSBOT, I think my exact words were, uh, at best, James Dolan's an idiot. At worst, he's a racist. Like, it, it's that, it was that simple yeah. in my so, mind. So this is the way that I see it. So like, so everyone's telling me, well, even if he says a statement, right? What does it matter? What is it going to change? You know, he's full of shit. So if you know that, why do you even want him to say a statement? I don't want him to say a statement. Uh, it'd be nice if he did, right? Uh, it'd be nice if he felt that in his heart to um, feel the way we all felt, uh, you know, watching a man get brutally murdered uh, for nine minutes. Uh, you should probably, we all probably felt similarly for the most part, decent people anyway. Uh, and then there's other people who decide like, ah, I can't make a statement about that. This isn't the time. Now, for those people who wonder why that's such a big deal, you know, for what we already know James Dolan is, right? Um, it matters to the players. It matters to the staff. It matters to those people that you do employ and empower. So while it's great that you hire those people, um, it's great that you hire black executives and we're the first franchise to like, I have a full black front office. Like that's perfect, right? That's good. That's a good first step. But like, if you're not going to speak up when you need to speak up for those people, then what are you doing? It's very silly to me. So it doesn't matter. Maybe like in the grand scheme of things, like him dropping a statement is going to move the needle, but like, you know, I, I spoke to Fred Van Vliet in the pod, right? And that's a guy who's a free agent coming up. And I asked him specifically about the the league supporting its players and and, and making statements and, and kind of backing them and supporting them. And he said, yeah, man, like, we, we love that. Like, I love, you know, that my organization has my back. And it, it does matter to players and especially where they're going to sign. So before you ask, like, oh, well, is James Dolan going to change the world with a statement? Of course not. But however stupid it is, it matters to the players. And that's all that matters in the NBA when you're a bad franchise trying to turn things around to convince the players to sign with you, right? You should do every layup as a business, every layup imaginable to you. You want to you hit all those things so that nobody can say you didn't do any of the bare minimum, right? And even then, he can't do the bare minimum. It just goes to show you like how little he cares about the Knicks, how little he values the basketball franchise that he owns. And obviously... Larger, larger than all that, is that he just doesn't value taking a, a stance against clear racism and brutality by uh, our police. And I think that's what is more bothersome. It's, it's you know that he knows. And even then, we know that his statement was going to be full of shit. And he knows it too. And even then, he still couldn't do it. And that's what bothers me. So it's on a, it's on a multi-level thing there. But it really does bother me for multiple reasons. It's just he really went out of his way to avoid doing 
the easiest thing that he always does during the season. He refutes Richard Jefferson uh, saying that he he the Knicks were interested, right? Yet we have, we have a whole statement that gets emailed to me. I get an email about James Dolan being angry. Richard Dolan made a st- uh, Richard Jefferson made a statement like that. Why am I getting this? That's news for me, right? And I'm the Knicks. Well, I got to update it. But here we are in New York City, where lots of people want to see that statement, want to hear that statement from the New York Knicks of New York City, and you can't put a statement out, right? It's very silly. It's very silly. So yeah, I'm, I mean, we got like investigative documents about a handshake that may or may not have taken place with Spike Lee with during the, a game. behind the scene video and pictures, and we could yeah. get a statement on like, dude, there too were much companies. Work. Too there, much work. There were companies. Racism is statements. bad. It's it's not bad enough apparently. I'm sure you saw the Ben and Jerry statement. They might as well <laughs> like they went all out. There were no stops. Yeah. They <laughs> they made like a refund the police ice cream. It was like yeah. it was like or sorry defund not refund defund the police ice cream. It was like unbelievable. And James Dolan can't come out and just do the simplest thing ever, which is just like we- hey, it's bad guys. You know it is bad. Every state every team made a statement. Every team made a statement. So for the Yankees made a second statement today, way more powerful than their first one because they yes. were they were like their first one. They were like okay, so we have to ask the first one. Here's us being serious this time now that we know we will get totally destroyed for us saying this um and then you know the rangers were like no we're gonna stay silent cool we're totally fine the ottawa senators who by the way and i'm sure you didn't hear this because hockey is the fourth sport thanks matt kellerman um the the uh, the, the ottawa senators literally had a foundation like that organized they raised like a million dollars for um organ donations and like raising or raising raising knowledge about organ donations and they donated a total of five thousand dollars of that money the rest of it went to like administrators so the uh, auto of, of course the, of course the ottawa senators made a statement okay what well, right actually i i don't know if the senators the senators foundation which is the charitable arm of the senators hockey franchise mm-hmm. it turns out that they were the ones that made the statement and the senators retweeted it Oh, so is that I, true? I, I don't know if the senators actually have okay. come out and really All said right, anything. Hands up, maybe maybe I'm fake news, Ryan. I get it, but but also also <laughs> the point also is just also the garden one day didn't we need to talk about. That's what I'm saying. We need, Ryan, we need it. We will have to one day talk about how the charitable arm of the Ottawa Senators organization is leaving the Ottawa Senators because it's, they can't handle Eugene Melnick anymore. That's unbelievable. That's like, if like the Garden- imagine if the guard imagine if imagine if Garden of Dreams one day just picked up and said, you know what, fuck James Dolan, we can't do this. We anymore. can't do it. <laughs> that's 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 what the Ottawa Senators Charitable Foundation is doing to the Senators. They're just they're giving them the double birds and be like, we're gonna start listen, over. This is terrible. Listen, I, I slight sidebar, but I, and we'll get back to the main point here. But yeah. I love that in in it, it took being quarantined to an extreme measure in our own homes. And then the total lack of sports, and then just once again, not a new thing, but the total disregard for actually protecting and serving by the police, right? To to go out of their way to murder a man, make a point of it because they knew the camera was watching them, right? He stares at the camera. Right? All this happens in a time without sports, and that we're f- like forced to focus on this stuff. And I'm just so glad that all these organizations and and employees are just we've done a 180 overnight across the whole world where we went from like oh if we report that thing or we say that thing that you know this company's doing we are we're going to get in trouble and we as an individual are going to get blackballed and overnight it turned into hey i'm going to tweet one time about this company or this organization and i'm going to ruin their life because they're kind of racist and i love this energy that we have it's just like oh we're just gonna yeah we're out we're just gonna pull out of deals and 
and we're not working with you anymore. That's the that's the energy we need, man. I love for the Garden of Dreams to wake up one day. That'd be great. Now uh, listen, I, I've I've said it before. James Dolan, great hockey owner. Everything else, not so sure. <laughs> and but, but, and but honestly, the, more than not so to, sure. Ryan, so to, to, Kyle, to Kyle's point now, I he's a good owner in the essence that he signs the checks. I don't I do think it takes you have a certain level of responsibility when you are the ownership of a brand as big as any professional sports team. Like I don't care what Max Kellerman says about how big any sports is. If you own a team, you have a responsibility to the community to represent that community at some level. And the fact that Dolan hasn't, or again, Dolan has at this point, he's actively ignored it. Right. I don't think we can say anything more rosy than that. Like that's the absolute nicest way of putting it. The, the Knicks and the Rangers for what they are. Yeah. They're privately owned, but they're essentially publicly traded. We all have a relationship with those teams that are incredibly independent to us. And there will be an owner of those teams after James Dolan, just like there were an owner of those teams before James Dolan. So our relationship to that team carries through regardless of who's owning it. And when the owner so recklessly or so disgustingly ignores his community that basically serves as the purpose for these teams to exist, it's appalling. And I, I, I don't think we can call Dolan a good hockey owner in the fact that a good hockey owner doesn't do this to their community. They shouldn't do this to the community. That's why the Eugene Melnicks of the world, they're not just bad owners because they're cheap. They're bad owners because they're despicable people. So I I will stop short of saying that James Dolan's a good hockey owner now because I don't think he's a good owner, period. Yeah, he signs the checks. Yeah, I'm happy that he doesn't get cheap with his organization like the Wilpons do. But when you're behind the Wilpons when it comes to speaking out about injustice and violence, you're doing something wrong. I, I don't know how else to say it. The Wilpons aren't good people. And even the Wilpons yeah. knew that they had to say something. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, I, it, it, I mean, it stinks. It stinks. It stinks when you have no expectations for the guy, and then he still, like, even in the overwhelming, uh, like, the extreme circumstances that we're in, and the extreme pressure the companies are facing that they say something, you would think, like, all right, man, like, he's just gonna say the statement, and then we'll just get on with it like normal. And then even then, he's just like, no, I can't make the statement now. It's like, I just don't like. We even saw he sent two separate emails out that got leaked about 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 not sending the statement out. Like just in the just amount make, of time that you explained that yourself, you exactly. just make that letter public. That letter sucked. We would be breaking down that letter like there's a Bruder film for a week. But if you if you sent that letter out there, at least you said something. Like it, right, it's the letter was tone deaf. The letter was basically saying our hiring practices are among the best in the leagues. We don't see color we consider you by the value of your work not of who all that like baseless baseless email it was corporate all lives matter and i have a black friend that's all that it was right but at least it was very it was very tacky yeah yeah i know but it was very i I agree it's just for for a good owner you need to be able to do a lot of things well right and and for a bad owner you need to do all of them bad and it seems like the only thing that james dolan has gotten correct as owner is not ruining the New York Rangers, which is, I feel like that might sound silly, but that is a tremendous accomplishment in light of the everything else about him. So the fact that that one little team has mostly remained unscathed is, I, I don't know how you guys do it. I feel like you guys might, I feel like the the Rangers front office like keeps them out with barbed wire 
or like physically fights him when he comes to meetings to I, keep him out. I, I feel like I think it, they, that JD uh, legitimately was like, I need to make a statement on this. And he was like, no, <laughs> you can't. And I'm sure the same thing happened with the Knicks. Like he was like, they wanted to make statements on, on, on Black Lives Matter. Like, hey, we support this whole thing. And that's where the emails came in. The, the, the worst part, too, about the Knicks, the last thing I want to say about this is they pride themselves. If you watch all the history stuff that they do, when it's Black History Month, they're always, oh, the Knicks were one of the first teams to, you know, Nat Sweetwater Clifton. And, and they love pushing like they were on the forefront of it. Right. So don't you think as the owner, you'd be aware of your own brand? Like, it's just, it's it's so silly to me on multiple levels. Like, the, the things that you have to willfully overlook to get to a point where you just don't want to put a statement out like this. It's, it's bad, man. Dude, the guy writes music about divides within culture and how they're bad can't, for people. Can't, can't put a statement out. Just, can't, just simply cannot. Can't make him figure. Plays the harmonica. That's it. Oh, boy. Um, the NBA is coming back. What is the thing that excites you most? Is there a storyline that that we should be looking for uh, for people that don't follow the NBA? I, I do follow it pretty closely, and I am I am pretty thrilled. There will be eight regular season games into a 2014 playoff. Somehow Phoenix and Washington have were invited. I don't understand. Please, I, I don't get it. And uh, I think we're, we're all in for a treat here. So what what is uh, what, what should we be looking forward to in the NBA playoffs or the return to the NBA? Uh, I'm hoping chaos. To be honest with you, I don't think anybody really knows what to expect. I know uh, the NHL is also coming back with the revised playoff format. So I imagine your guys' sentiments are a little bit similar where, you know, the Rangers out of the season on a hot note, right? Mm -hmm. There was on fire. It was, it was going great. I'm enjoying myself in my first full season as a, a full-time Ranger fan, Congratulations. right? Congratulations. And th th thank you. Thank you. It was a big deal for me. Uh, and then it cut short. So are they still on fire now? Who knows? Then that's kind of how I feel with the NBA. It's like, you know, you had those, like you mentioned, those couple of teams uh, like Phoenix and, and the non-playoff teams, the French teams that were either busting their behinds, trying to get back in like Sacramento, who, you know, they were covering a lot of ground right before the season end to kind of catch the, the Grizzlies. And so I don't know. For me, I'm just trying to watch all the chaos for, for, for that kind of situation. These lower teams are going to come in. They're going to know that they have something to prove. The Devin Bookers are going to come out, you know, guns blazing. The Bradley Beals are going to come out guns blazing. Garrett Fox, Buddy Yields are going to come out guns blazing. So I'm good with all those lower seats coming in because they're actually entertaining. And for me, I don't know how in shape all of these guys are going to be. So I need strength in numbers. I need more stars or more fringe stars in as much as possible. And I think that's how you get a good product because you're going to have most of the, the league in. Two-thirds of the league's going to be in. So for me, I'm just trying to embrace the chaos, right? No matter what happens in any of our sports this year, no matter how any of those seasons end, there's going to be an asterisk because of the, the, the COVID and everything else, right? Yep. No matter what you want to do to avoid it, no matter how fair you try to make it, everyone's going to remember this year as the COVID year. Oh, the, the Lakers won? Oh, well, that doesn't count as much for LeBron's fourth ring because it was the COVID year. It, it, no matter who wins, we're going to get those kinds of things. So for me, it's just I'd like to see some of those, you know, in-season narratives that we had built up carry on like is Giannis going to break through finally I'd love to see it is it going to be a battle of the LA teams at the end where it's the Clippers and, and the, the Lakers and, as the Titans of the West I'd love to see it but I don't know what we're going to see uh, I, so I'm just kind of rooting for the chaos at this point I think whichever champion is going to you know be crowned they're, they're going to be remembered in a not as fond way so I'd love to see like the Rockets break through for some wild reason like Harden and, and Westbrook take over it's like just this should be a weird season. Like whoever wins, it should be weird. It'd be wrong for me. It'd be it'd be weird if like the Lakers still came out on top. It's like well, all right, season still ended as expected. Okay, 
It's like I'd love for like some weird team to just break through in the chaos of the situation because they were just more in shape than the other team. You know what I mean? Just like a we just weird stuff. We have no idea what's gonna happen until they get to Disney World. I'm very excited because this whole thing is very odd and likely catastrophic and it might be hysterical. So um, I'm just embracing the chaos. It's my assumption that you are not at all bummed the New York Knicks will not play another game this year. I get a 10-month vacation from the New York Knicks, and I don't know if I've ever been more excited about anything. 10 months. Do you, do you know? Do you, I don't think you guys understand. 10 months without the Knicks. That is a big deal, guys. 10 months. I used to have every day. I'd come home from work. I'd rush. I'd watch the games, tweet the games, clip the games, go to bed 1030 at night, do it all again the next day or two days from then, right? A lot of Knicks games. Now I get 10 months, almost a calendar year away from that team. That's unbelievable. That never happens. I get like a couple of months in the summer. Then it's like, all right. I'm back at media day every year. And then we got to start the whole thing over again. I get 10 months. This is, it's beautiful to me. It's beautiful to me. Well, Rangers, I got to tell really you, now that, I'm, that. I, now that I'm, now that it's been nine months since the last time the Mets played a regular season baseball game, my mental health's looking great. Like this, this is, this is the most calm I've ever been in a June that I could ever remember. We don't go to bed angry anymore. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Just, they gave that to us, the gift, you know? We, we simply, we're not happy maybe, but we just simply don't go to bed angry anymore. Uh, and who, um, who's the Kyle Maggio stamp-approved first-round draft pick by the New York Knicks this year? Oh, that's a good question. Is uh, it LaMelo? Or is, right, it, so, is it LaMelo or LiAngelo this year? I don't remember. It, it's LaMelo. So I would, if the Knicks got the first overall pick, which they never do, but if they, the Knicks got the first overall pick, I would take LaMelo Ball. But seeing as they won't, and it's probably going to be like the fourth or fifth pick, as it always is, I like uh, Halliburton. That that's my that's my secondary guard choice. I think he doesn't have the the flashy upside of a Lamelo Ball, but he's a very smart basketball player. He's still very capable. He's, he's a lottery player for sure. And I just think at some point maybe it's okay if you miss out on the upside because this is a bad team with mostly bad players, and that means you need smart players and not always just the you know quote unquote high upside guys so uh i'd be fine with one of those two but it you know get me a guard it is usually my gripe so isn't, isn't that kind of i remember the victor oladipo draft year was a really bad draft class but the whole the whole argument for taking oladipo first or second was that you know he has an nba future and that should be good enough for some teams and then it just so happened that oladipo finally blossomed into an all-star caliber player. So I could also see the Wall Street puns with Halliburton. Like you could have some fun name gimmicks there, considering he's a uh, big business going into the Broadway. You know, you could do things there. there. There are things you could do. Lots to work with, but get me a guard at the end of the day. That's all that I want. But yeah, I mean, the high upside point is, you know, the, about being an NBA star, it's it's definitely valid. I understand. But then I feel like sometimes when you do that, you swing and you miss. Like Kevin Knox, that's why they drafted Kevin Knox, because they're like, oh, he has the upside. Look at his body. When he fills out, he has the physical tools. That kid's going to be an NBA player for sure. And then, like, you know, he wasn't. So sometimes when you well, invest too much in upside, shoot, bad. So that seems like he a can't, bad thing. Ryan, he can't do anything. Yeah. I wish it was just not shoot. He can't. He gets cardio out there for 20 minutes a game. Well, Kako was the worst player in the league this year, so there you go. <laughs> There's hope for everybody, you know? Um, <laughs> I hope true. so. Uh, Maggio, uh, any, any, any final questions for Maggio, Greg? Um, all, I'm just going to remind you again. I think I do this every time you come on the podcast. I I was 
early on the Donovan Mitchell bandwagon, and the Rangers should have drafted him instead of Frank. And I'll go to my grave saying it. I said it Nick, then. I'll say Nick, it now. Nick should have drafted. Him. The, 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 what did I say? The Rangers. Yeah, he said, he said the Rangers. Yeah, he could probably play second line wing. Why Pro- not? Probably. Probably. Uh, so fun, fun. I actually give you a fun Donovan Mitchell story from the Knicks wall. Uh, it's not very fun. It's just like minimally fun. But anyway, so come draft time, like uh, I wouldn't say I was all in on Donovan Mitchell. I, I thought he was a very reasonable option, and we probably should have had him on the short list. But that was about it. I just figured we needed a guard, point or shooting guard at the time. We needed a guard, whichever one you felt was best, get him. All right, so. You know, we do our normal pre-draft stuff and, uh, you know, get our previews out, get our player profiles out. And I remember one day we tweeted out like something like it's Donovan Mitchell because he was on Twitter and he was active. This is draft season. You know, he's answering a lot of questions mm-hmm. or like. Like it was something I forget, it was like a Tim's related tweet, but like if you love Tim's like this tweet and we we're trying to bait him and admitting that he wanted to come to New York and he liked the tweet. Didn't come to New York, so I'd have to chalk it up to uh, the Knicks for not drafting and take advantage. I of think the well, he clear wanted trap. To, he wanted to come here. I yeah, mean, I mean, it was clear as that. I mean, you wouldn't like a tweet about Pims unless <laughs> you intended to come here. So to, to me, listen, the math checks out. That's all that I need to see. Uh, we had his full attention as far as I'm concerned, and the Knicks dropped the ball. So, well, he's he grew up in Fairfield County. His dad works for the Mets. He's a big Met fan. Huge. It was all right there. It was all right there. And if the Knicks just noticed that he liked our tweet, maybe he was here. But, you know, things happen. We digress. And now we have Frank Nalikina. Smokes. <laughs> to, to, if, if it makes you feel at all, better at all, Maggio, I also love Dennis Smith Jr. in that draft, and I would have been fine if the Knicks took him. Ah, God, da- God damn it. So did I, Greg. And, and we got him anyway, and then he stunk it up. It's just I, unbelievable, the circumstances of this franchise. Uh, he was he was so fun in college. I was like, ah, oh, this guy, there's no way this guy busts out. Just no way. And yet, so I would have I would have been thrilled if the Knicks took him. If the Knicks took him or McDonovan Mitchell, Crazy. I would have been through the roof. Yep. But right, here we it are. Stinks. All right, Kyle. Here we are. Plug your stuff and then we'll get out of here. All right. Uh, make sure you follow Whistle Sports everywhere. They are now my employer and they pay me. So I would appreciate if you followed them because it helps me stay employed. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Uh so yep. So make sure you follow me there. Uh make sure you subscribe <laughs> to the Three to the Dome podcast, the TKW podcast. Uh both where I, I live with these tremendous vocal cords. So uh, that also helps me. And uh, that's basically all I got, guys. I, I would like for the Rangers to win in this new playoff format. That's what I'd like to leave you guys well, with. I will tell you this before you go. Uh, the NBA is not doing reseeding. The NHL supposedly is. So if the Rangers do win their play and they will play the highest seed all the way to the finals. So we'll have a great time, you know? Yeah, so, nat- so naturally we're going to play in a finals party. Yeah, we're going to play. Well, we said this earlier. We're going to play in the finals okay. party, and then we're going to get swept in the finals. So that's how it's going to work. Yeah. All right. Ex- exactly. We'll be back next week. Uh, as always, my co-host is Greg, and his, you can find him at Blue Shirts Break, and I'm Ryan Mead. You can find me at O-Ryan Mead. We'll see you next week. Bye. Love you. Bye. It's time to expect more from urgent care, like caregivers who take time to listen, smooth access to local specialty care if you need it, virtual visits and save your spot convenience, plus easy access community locations. And we're open 365 days a year to treat your sprains, cuts, fever, and flu. Northwell Health Go Health Urgent Care. Get more than you expect and exactly what you need. Welcome to a new era in urgent care.